Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you're a guest, we've been in a series called The Country Christmas, and we've been looking at the key players in the Christmas story, and if I could say it this way, returning to my childhood. See, these are the memories that I grew up with, and maybe you did too. I grew up, many of you know, my dad being a pastor and both my grandfathers being a pastor and one of my great-grandfathers. I like to tell people I went to church nine months before I was even born. I just have been around the church. And what you're experiencing tonight is what I grew up with. Every Christmas Eve, my dad would tell the Christmas story just as Pastor Noah has tonight. And we'd sing the hymns in between. And it was so memorable for me. And maybe like the church I grew up in, it seems to be more of a Midwestern thing. One of the things they also did was for us children, they gave us something like this. Had an apple or an orange in it and a bunch of peanuts and some really bad mints. Somebody remember that? Anybody have that when they grew up? Absolutely. I love that. So much so that when the children leave, we have bags for you. And I'll just let you know, there's no fruit in it. There's no peanuts in it. But I think you're going to really like what's in it. But I'm so grateful because, again, just a moment of returning to my childhood. And so we started a series, again, A Country Christmas. We talked about Joseph a few weeks back and then Mary and the shepherds. And if you'll permit me, I'd like to highlight and look at these guys that we remember as the kings, which you need to know they were not. In fact, look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter two. It's up on the screen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, magi, Wise men, educated men, of which I contend is significant for you and I, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But these magi were from the east, and they had come to Jerusalem, and they began to ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. These were not kings. And so often we think there was three because there were three gifts that were given. Hence the song, We Three Kings of Orient Noir. But they weren't kings. They were very educated wise men. Most believe they were astronomers of some sort. They'd done their homework. This wasn't any old star that they were following. It was a star worth giving their lives for. And hence they started on a journey. Here's the deal. They would have never been three anyway because men like this would have never traveled alone, especially when they crossed the desert because of the incredible danger, because of who they were and because of the gifts they were carrying. It would have been quite an entourage, people. In fact, some believe that well over a hundred of them probably arrived in Jerusalem. Think about it. The Bible says that when they came and started asking, the entire city was disturbed by what they were proclaiming. So much so that it got to Herod and he summoned their presence. 
But these were educated men. And I think there's something we need to learn from them if you'll just permit me to kind of reminisce here a little bit. Because here's the fact. Every one of us in this room are nothing more but the expressions in how we think and on what we think. Did you know the Bible tells us as we think, so we become? And yet so often we hear this message that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to surrender your heart. Hence the heart being where our emotions are. But there's nowhere in the Bible that God wants us to live out of those emotions and live out of our feelings. He wants us to have a faith that requires something a little bit more. See, the Bible would tell us in Romans 12 that to be transformed in the likeness of Jesus, it requires a mental ascent. Paul says it this way. He says, you and I need to surrender our lives as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable of God, which is our reasonable, which is the least we can do. But he says this, but you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hence why God gave us the word of God. It's why we've been doing classes around here and I trust and I hope that in the next year, every celebrator will take these classes and start the journey. There's nothing greater you could do. We've been going through the Old Testament and New Testament. We've seen hundreds of lives go through and believe it or not, it has been the most significant thing that I've ever done as the pastor of this church. I've literally watched the word of God come alive. And after the first of the year, we're going to start into Paul's letters one more time. And I hope many of you would consider taking those classes. I will tell you this. The word of God is powerful, people. It's incredibly powerful. Trust me, I will tell you, it will change everything about you. Your marriage, your family, your work, absolutely everything. In fact, I've gone on record to say this. If I'm wrong what I'm telling you, I'll denounce who I am. And I'll become an atheist. I will promise you the word of God is one of the most significant things that God gave us and it will change everything in your life. I counsel couples that are struggling in their marriage over and over and I'll only give them about five minutes anymore to spend time talking about their struggles and I will stop them and I'll usually look at him first and I'll say, you're not reading the Bible, are you? He'll always justify himself at the beginning and say, oh yeah, I am. And I say, listen, I don't want to go down this road. I don't want to tell you you're being dishonest. I can promise you, you're not reading the Bible. And I'll say the same to her. Because with everything I am, if you'll get in the word of God, it will begin to change and transform your thinking and how you look at a marriage like you can never understand possible. And just as true as the word of God is powerful, people, not being in the word of God is just as powerful, but on a negative, on a bad note. See, I want you to think about this for a moment. You ever stop and think about why Satan spends all of his time making us so busy, getting us in the world, getting wrapped up in stuff that really doesn't really make a difference in the world, at least in an eternal sense? I'm not here to discredit anything that you do or what I do. But if we're not in the word of God, nothing we do has everlasting value, which means we get up every day and we're chasing the wind. That's what Solomon said. 
I wonder how many of us, we've been so busy. We stay up late the night before and we're too tired in the morning and we get about our business. But do you understand what's really going on in that moment? It's like we're actually telling God what I'm doing is more important than spending time with you. And I've discovered in my life, it doesn't matter if I do anything all day. First and foremost, I need to spend time with the one who gave me the day and then shows me what I need to do that day. There's nothing more important than being in the word of God. It's the transformational power that God gave us. I want to encourage you. Spend time in the word. Be educated, wise men. But they were not just educated, wise men. The Bible says they traveled quite a distance, quite a journey. I've sort of, if you will, spoke into that. But here's the deal. You and I can't microwave our relationship with Jesus. Life in Christ is a journey of great proportions and probably why few stay the course. It's so easy to get excited about the honeymoon in Christ, but it's the marriage that matters to God. And when it comes to Christianity, making the journey is absolutely essential. It's full of lessons, hard lessons, people to be discovered and to learn. I've been walking with Jesus for many, many decades now. And I have to tell you, it's still a journey. There's still that God who's trying to beat the Keith out of Keith. But I wouldn't trade that journey for anything because the Bible says when you and I stay the course, we're blessed. Here's what the Bible says. Blessed is the man who endures. Blessed is the man who doesn't give up. Blessed is the man who doesn't quit. Blessed is the man who finishes their race. For when he does, he'll receive the crown of life that God had promised. See, I'm convicted to believe there's no failure unless you quit. There's no failure unless you just give up. But if you're like the wise men, who I'm sure there were moments out on the desert, day in and day out, making their way, following a star. I wonder if they wanted to quit, but they didn't. They didn't quit. In this journey, not so easy. They made it to Jesus. They hung in there. They finished their race. And they gave him three distinct gifts. Gold, often viewed as a symbol of royalty. Frankincense, or incense as a symbol of a deity, a God, and myrrh, which was an embalming oil as a symbol of death. Now, church, listen. Most often, these gifts are tied to Jesus, each one identifying something about him, that he was royalty, that he was God, and that he would give his life for us. But if you'll let me play with this for a moment... Could it be that they don't identify Jesus, but these gifts identify us? If like these wise men, we choose to be in the word of God. If like these wise men, we choose to finish the race that God has given us. And like these wise men, we find Jesus. Maybe there's some treasures you and I need to lay down. Think about it for a moment. The gold representing royalty. 
How many times have we witnessed in this world and maybe ourselves, we try to elevate ourselves more than we should. Longing for significance, looking over the fence into somebody else's backyard thinking, if I had that or I had this, I'd be somebody. But maybe we have that gold we need to lay down. How about the frankincense? A symbol of being a God. I've always said there's only two gods in this world. There's Yahweh and your way. There are no other gods, people. Everyone here has an authority in their life. You're either chasing what you think's right or you're reading the word of God and you're figuring out that he knows what's right. There's no in between. Jesus said you can't have two gods. Pick one. You'll love one or hate the other. How many people are wanting success, wanting a title, making a name for themselves? And of course, there's myrrh, the embalming oil of death. Wasn't it Jesus who said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? Because Jesus said, unless you die to yourself, you can never be in the kingdom of God. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. See, watch how it plays out. Look at, look at this verse on the screen. And when they saw the child and his mother, these wise men, when they saw the child with his mother, they bowed down and worshiped him. Notice the posture in which they put themselves. If you want to get up, you got to first get low, people. Now watch this. Then they opened their treasure chests. I just find those words interesting. They opened up what they saw was valuable and they gave them to Jesus. And they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What do you need to lay down this Christmas? Have you been concerned about the economy? All of your investments, wondering if they're going to come back? I can tell you what's going to happen to them. You're going to lose every one of them. I promise you that. I will guarantee you that. Because everybody here will stop breathing this side of heaven. And you'll take nothing with you. But how many people hold on to their gold? Thinking somehow if I have, this is going to make me happy. I've never met a person who has happy. Just FYI. unless you have Jesus. How about frankincense? Is there stuff you thinking, if I could just be them or be this or that? God knows your heart. And yet Jesus said, what if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Not everybody goes to heaven, people. Jesus, Jesus said, narrows the gate that leads to life. Few will find it. How about your life? Have you given Jesus your life? Because that's what Christmas is all about. Unto us born this day in the city of David is a savior. Because we all need one. We need rescuing. And God so loved us. He's not mad at us. He so loved every one of us. He gave us the greatest gift of all. Jesus. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. What do you need to lay down this Christmas so you can truly 
fully worship as you should. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.